Hi, I'm Christy Shriver, and we discuss books that have changed the world and have changed us. And I'm Gary Shriver, and we are the How to Love Lit podcast. Every week, we cover a piece of classical literature. We set up the historical, psychological, and literary context, making these challenging works actually fun. The How to Love Lit podcast is available everywhere, and you can also visit us at howtolovelitpodcast.com. You'll love it. 2019 on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, all the way from Gatorland, Florida. He's back. Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz. <laughs> yes, Cameron. It's good to I, see him. I, I am very been, excited. We're going to get to some life updates here in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And all the, the new way season from Hard Knocks and everything. Nashville, yes. Nashville, Tennessee. Author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. This what yes. a happy day. The We're family all together. is back together. The band it just is feels, back together. I mean, I'm smiling from ear to ear. I it's very hurtful, listeners, when you tweet that you do not like the show as much when Annie and Eddie aren't on it. It's very, very hurtful because some of us are here all the time, but we're very excited that the family is back together. Yeah. That's I'll just great. say between us girls, uh, I agree. It is uh, <laughs> not that good. That's not true. It's very good. Eddie, where were you? Tell us. the Where was I? Uh, yeah. I started out and went on a little vacation with Brianne to the Keys, but then went to Ghana for two weeks with IJM. Where we did a storytelling trip, and it was, man, I I can't talk. Like, I'll start to cry. It's just, it was, like, overwhelming. Um, wow. But we basically are taking the new activist uh, and doing, like, a serialized six-episode full deep-dive story of a girl, um, her name is Esther, a girl in Ghana and her life, like how she went from going into slavery through her entire time in slavery, through her rescue and now her restoration. And so we, I mean, we went deep. I did like 25 interviews and we just spent weeks uncovering her whole story. So that's where I was um, wow. for the last two weeks. And it was, man, it was, um, you know how you have those moments in your life that are so profound, you actually don't know how to say how like anything about it other than it was just it was like very shattering um but what a privilege it was to tell a story and it'll come out in a couple months but so that's where i was and then i went to pittsburgh to visit brienne's family <laughs> which seemed like a total shift in things <laughs> i saw you, i saw i saw on instagram like you had a whole film crew with you and like yes. I mean, it was a big Listen, crew we've had a busy we've had a busy couple weeks too uh yeah. just for your knowledge okay we talked about olive garden a lot so <laughs> we're really doing good stuff let's so we're not, making a let's difference not, on the planet let's too. not make Eddie. this a contest of who's doing better works here okay yeah. we talked for a whole episode about it eddie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Chandler, has, chandler has cheated on or, or moved on from chili's and is now no sidled up with all yeah. of them I'm, yeah I'm cool with, wait the I'm most important part is y'all do y'all even know that eddie has like a new job at ijm he's like no. a baller at ijm now no, what, what? Is, what is what is your title now? It's just baller. It's just they're just like, <laughs> oh, Mr. Koffeltz, thank you so much for being here. No, I uh, 
so yeah, I actually don't know what the title of it is, but it's, I am working with all of the storytelling team to figure out new ways to tell the IJM story um, it down the road in the future. So it's like a fully creative role where we'll do podcasting and filmmaking and all of other exciting, fun things. So yeah, I just moved into it to a couple of weeks ago and I am uh, like, I feel very, very honored to get to do it and to see if I can really do what I think I can do. So yeah. well, cool. Well, cool. What do you think about Olive Garden? Oh, no, big deal. <laughs> we already covered that. Unlimited yeah. salad and breadsticks, Eddie. Let's talk about what's important. It's pretty good. It's pretty to good. To be clear, Eddie, the Olive Garden episode for yeah. sure happened when I was not available. Just so yeah. you know, that was I heard listen, it, but I was not a part of it. Listen, we listen. ran into some slow news weeks here in the summer. Okay, <laughs> you got to fill. Listen, shows got to go out the door. Chandler's, all right? Chandler's fast food eating needed front and center again. But but in fairness to us, our country could declare a full scale war on both North Korea and Russia. Right. And I believe that our lead in would be Olive Garden because certain yeah. things just are always they always matter. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. You're actually right. Yeah. yeah well, true. and other news, other things we missed, Eddie. Um, Andy yes. gave us a lot of updates about our dating life. <laughs> Andy, you want to fill them in real quick? You want to catch them up? Give yeah. it to us. <laughs> I haven't heard enough about this lately. Come on. Oh <laughs> Eddie, and I've been thinking a lot about dates as well. I've yeah. been buying trail mix with them, but I find myself oh, picking the dates right oh, because they're gosh. basically no. like candy. Because yeah, I can't eat that trail mix with monsters. the M&M's in it right. anymore because I just find myself eating salty M&M's and it's really disgusting. So, <laughs> yeah, dates. Annie, how's, what, what do you think about dates? I yeah. love dates, too. They're they're the good best. in cereal. They're good in cereal. <laughs> I mean, Annie is swiping left and right. Like as soon as she gets off the show, she can't stop swiping. Get it off the show. What are you talking about? What do you think I do the whole time y'all are yapping back and forth? <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got Chandler so good on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to Pastor, author. Uh, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, uh, Reverend Sammy Rodriguez joins us. Uh, we yeah, talk no about good. the future of the church, why immigration is such a key issue for churches, and um, you know how that's going to look in the future. Um, he was in our 100th issue of Relevant, and it's part of that conversation that we want to bring you today. Oh, yeah. yeah. I missed that. Happy 100 years, buddy. That's exciting. <laughs> 100, 100 <laughs> issues. 100 it may issues. feel like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Oh, okay. All right, That's Eddie. Funny. Eddie. All right. Listen. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm going to cut to it because we've been waiting for bated breath. We've been waiting for weeks to get your yeah. take on something. And I'm, I'm glad well, we got we got oh. your trip update. We're very happy to hear about the developments at IJM. But there Thank is you. something that is that the people must know. Okay. Yeah. We I'm had ready. a long discussion, long. as did the internet. About the trailer for the film, the upcoming uh, uh, film adaptation of the Broadway classic Cats, and the <gasps> oh, consensus. Oh, I needed you so bad on this. The consensus yeah. from everyone, except for Annie, is that it looks horrifying and terrible. Now, <laughs> yeah. we already have covered this extensively on a previous episode. Yeah. So, so we're going to we, do it again. So I, I don't <laughs> want to go too far down this road, but. I f do feel like you need to. Uh, we at least need to know what your feelings were, having seen that 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 horrific uh, uh, atrocity was it, that was. Yeah, was the it like trailer. was it your dreams come true? Was it like everything you ever hoped yeah. and imagined, or was it a travesty to what you would have An wanted to, it to be? Yeah. yeah. Well, let me tell you first. I found out about this. I was pretty deep in Ghana at this point, and we had spent the day that the news broke. 
we I had spent the day with the girl Esther, who <laughs> the day the news and, broke, and he got yeah. on a plane, flew back to <laughs> but, America to make sure he had uninterrupted bandwidth to watch the trailer. But I will no, but in truth, it was everything I could do. I like I was trying to figure out how to call into the show because this is, <laughs> I mean, it's cats. And DC Talk reuniting are the only two things that I'm just waiting on, really, to like that I wasn't here to talk about it has pained me. I'm going to say this, and uh, this is going to be a little surprising for all of you. Oh, um, no. That yes. trailer just terrified me in a way that I am not, <laughs> no. I was not expecting. I was wow. not expecting like, that from you. Unsettling, I, I, wasn't it? It was, it's the art of it that is just like, a, it was too cat. Too much like a face over like a cat. It, it was just too much. I feel like they needed to wait 10 years for the artistic ability to catch up because to me, it is terrifying. However, I am excited and believe that the story and the music will oh. transcend, but because it's a beautiful story. But I, I was, what, uh, what is I the was, story of cats? Yeah. Like, what, what is the like, plot? Yeah. Like they're, they're like, oh. I don't know. Is it like West Side Story? Is there like gang fights in the alley? I mean, like, what is it? Aren't all musicals, don't they involve dance-offs? Like, it don't they involve like, you know, even though they're switchblade, even though they clearly have switchblades, right. they're yeah. going to settle this with dancing. <laughs> like, like Ron Burgundy. Snapping and dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is just... You know what? I feel like I'm going to explain this and I'm just let's set a timer on how long until Jesse explodes and can't let me finish this because this is terrible what I'm about to say. But the idea of cats is that all of these different (laughs) cats are facing their own like their own death and they're having to like reckon. I need you to keep going, Eddie. <laughs> They're reconciling their own. Are you purring? Oh, where am I? Where am I? <laughs> and so, what these cats are doing throughout the play is, is making summaries of their life and showing you like what the meaning oh, of man. their life was. And that the sounds final even worse reward. than I imagined what the plot was. <laughs> and the final reward. Like if of you were to say, "Come up with is to see." <laughs> Like if someone were to be like, come up with the you. least compelling plot for yeah, a film about about yeah. alley cats, I'd be like, well, it'd be really brutal if we had to learn about each one of their backstories <laughs> and their philosophy of life. That would be yeah. awful and terrible. Like yeah. that's worst case it, that scenario. Is- and if they're singing the whole time, oh man, what it's yeah. like torture. Yeah, that's literally the whole play. So that's <laughs> the <laughs> that's, that's wow. the entire thing. So we'll see. I am. I don't know. It's. I feel like it's gonna tank. It feels so yeah. weird. It feels too soon. I, it may tank, but it's getting my twelve dollars. It is getting my twelve dollars. I cannot oh. wait. Oh, I'm gonna go see it in like a 3D IMAX. I'm yeah. I'm in. Ooh, yeah. You don't like 3D? We've talked about this, right? Yes, but I want to I want to support it as much like, as I'm able. So yeah, maybe I'll just go twice in IMAX. But yeah, yeah, 3D. yeah let's just go t- twice normal. Those creepy yeah. cattails are whipping you right in the face. It's it's a it's a thing to behold. You know, they feel like you're right there in in. In the back I'm trying alley. to not see as many movies as I normally like to see only because I'm trying to write a book and I find everything to do besides write the book. But yeah. I've been really saving up for cats. I've been saving up my snacks. I've been saving up my dreams. I've been saving up my money. I can't wait. Your dates. Well, th- my dates. I've been saving up a date. It's going to be great. <laughs> I got to say something else. And this is going to be controversial uh, yeah. with our audience. And it's just the way it is. But 
I am very concerned about the casting of Taylor Swift because while she is, I can't be here for this. While she is incredibly talented, I do not know. I like, I know the character she's playing. I'm curious if she has the musical chops to handle the songs that she is going to have to tackle. I'm just, I'm leaving that out there. And I know that this is going to enrage some people and I'm sorry, but this is what it is. Are you thinking that, are you thinking she might be like a Russell Crowe and Les Mis where she's just like not able to handle the, how, Dare musicality. Say that about Taylor Swift. Cameron, hundred percent, yes. That's, <laughs> oh, wow. that's what I'm nervous about. That is like the actual thing I'm nervous. Like they I cast saw, a big name instead of casting somebody who can do the role. See, yeah, oh. well, that's like I saw the new The Lion King, which I did not like. Um, but uh, it's like, do they actually have to have Seth Rogen sing the song? Like he's got a oh, great man. laugh and a great voice. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Timon and Pumbaa to were the stars of that new Lion King movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, no one wanted to hear it. It's like, just get a voice actor. But that sounds like Seth Rogen. Really, like, you know, he's got that husky but, laugh. I don't need to hear that singing. Like it, it, singing didn't need to be a part of that so movie. It, it, but, it, that like, is, that, but that is that. But that is like they had he had a voice uh, like a like a singing coach. And it's and I read an article that said it like it almost broke the singing coach because <laughs> like what you heard was absolutely the best Seth Rogen could possibly do. So, was, so the singing coach to Seth Rogen is Carmen, the life coach to Chandler. Like it, it brings him. It brings like, how good are you? How, you know, what kind of miracles can you do, sir yeah. or ma'am? So yeah. we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Jennifer Hudson, of course, is in it. Uh, Idris Elba, who is magical playing McCavity. You don't even know how perfect that casting is. Um, interestingly, mm-hmm. the part that I played when I was in it was uh, the part of old Deuteronomy. Guess who that's being played by in the movie? Is that um, James, James Corden? Gordon? No, because that would make sense. It's Dame Judi Dench is who oh! is reprised. <laughs> 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 which <laughs> could not have been James Corden would have been right on casting for me. Cause if I die, he's who has to play me in the movie of me. Uh, but Dame Judy Dench, even before you die, he's who, sh- who should play you in the movie of you. Yeah. Why are you waiting till posthumously to be played by James Corden? That's a great, great question. James Corden. I mean, it was obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman. That can't happen, but yeah. uh, would have been perfect. And if I get older, I could go into John Goodman territory. If but- I get older, my gosh. Also, you're never going to surpass sure John Goodman Gordon, in age, so uh, yeah. he'll never be able to play you well. And, and, and I was going to say, I'm oh, pretty sure right, James Gordon if, Corden hasn't paused aging. Well, like, I'm uh, pretty yes. sure he'll age right along with you. So. Right, right, because we all yeah. age at the. Yeah, we all I, age in the exact same amount of time. Paul we can yeah. One thing we're really good at <laughs> not doing here <laughs> is we <laughs> we don't time spiral stop. into things like this about how we all age at the same speed because that stuff I, my brain can't do that. I get stressed. Yeah, this yeah. isn't for that. Yeah. No, that's not what I'm here for. So don't do that yeah. to me. But James Dame Gordon Judy should Dench. play you. Well, <laughs> Eddie, we 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 are are glad to have you back. I told you about the Olive Garden thing, so I think you're oh, pretty yeah. much caught up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, think I think we're good to go. Olive Garden and Annie's dates. And okay, uh, I didn't I didn't hear about that. Can we just get a quick recap by Jesse no, of what Annie said? Oh yeah, by Jesse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jesse, give a recap of of my dates. Well, well, uh, Annie has a very specific taste and she's very, very picky. And that's why uh, when it comes to dates, 
They got to be in season. We, I'm talking ripe <laughs> dates that are slightly flavored, a little bit sweeter. Because you get the, they're not quite ripe. That throws the whole trail mix she off. Like, am I right? She's got yeah, to right. have the sweet dates. She <laughs> doesn't, yeah, she doesn't sweet. want that sweet. I ain't got time for that. Y'all right. yeah. yeah. You're yeah. preaching a little bit. Yeah, here we Annie's go. looking for it's only I'm Aquaman. I'm not the only single person nothing. on this pod, by the way, just so everybody she, remembers. She likes the dried dates, doesn't yeah. she? <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, dry sweeter. and sweet. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. You're very safe. Very safe. She's date. had some salty ones in the past and right. it just who's hurt this, her. Who's this episode brought to us by Cameron? Can California just, date. <laughs> California dates. Yeah, look at that. It's the, the date <laughs> board date. of California. Still growing them out there. Still growing. No real call to action. Just remember, dates are fruit. We often get forgotten. <laughs> no real call to action. Preach that. You, you forget our dates like raisins are different. No one's quite sure what a date is, how it grows above ground in a tree, in a field. No one knows. No one cares. But dates are a thing. You've Thanks, slipped dates. into a Prairie Home Companion <laughs> fake oh, <yeah>. sponsor territory. <laughs> Garrison right. Keeler. Which makes me really biscuits. happy. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Is it time for Garrison Keeler impressions? Yes. Oh, uh, like Pretty old guy. Turns out I'm a big creep ball. It's true. Come here, Jesse. It's true. Let me rub your shoulders. It's true. That's my Garrison Keeler. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just trying to say, yeah, let's remember he... Is no longer in the show for a reason. He was a Oh my fan. goodness. All right. There well, we stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Slices. Listening to Crumb, the song is Ghost Ride. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Peggy Goo with Starry Night. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, there was a really fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the art and institution of journalism. And there was, there was a, uh, a, a big interview, a celebrity interview. How can you be a fan of communication? Yeah. What you do. Yeah. Like, it's a very important job and only the best do it. It's like, it's like, I just, it's like I'm a fan of standing. Right. Yeah, I'm a fan of sports. It's like, you know, I, or I'm a fan of, uh, you know. Yeah, but none of those things are things you do. Like you, you are a fan of sports. That makes sense. But you, you I are happen a part- to do journalism, but some people can be like, you know, my favorite kind of shows are. I'm a fan of 60 minutes. I'm like a fan I, of having a family. I'm a fan of. What's yeah. wrong with that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good thing that you have to be a fan of. <laughs> Uh, either way, either way, I, I, I like in my free time, I like to read long form articles and well done profiles. And that's why that is true. the New York Times recent sit down with Nicolas Cage uh, was so <laughs> fascinating to me. It was the weirdest interview I have ever read. And oh, yeah. the interviewer, uh, he, he set the he set the stage and he basically said, I've wanted to interview Nicolas Cage for years. And now that I have the opportunity, 
I'm going to ask him everything, even if it's uncomfortable. And yeah. turns out it's impossible to make Nicolas Cage feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to skip really? this, uh, some of the stuff about uh, his career that you can go back and read. And th- there's two main things that I want to talk about uh, uh, that, that were revealed in this interview with the actor Nicolas Cage. One of them is his affinity for co- King Cobra snakes. The se- and a mishap he what? had with them while he had several living in an apartment with him in New York. What? The other is his literal quest for the Holy Grail, which seems to have derailed his career and destroyed his financial life. Let's start what? with the Cobras. Let's start with the Cobras. Uh, he was asked because he has mentioned some sort of incident with Cobras in the past. And so he was asked pretty bluntly, tell me about the Cobras. Here was, here was Nicholas Cage's response. I did have two King Cobras and they were not happy. They would try to hypnotize me by showing me their backs and then they would lunge at me. After I told that story on Letterman, the neighborhood wasn't too pleased that I had Cobras and I had to rehome them at a zoo. He was then asked, have animals influenced your acting? The Cobras, definitely. They would try to hypnotize you by going side by side. And when I did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, that's something my character does before he attacks. So Nicolas Cage was living in an apartment in Manhattan with live King Cobras that he claims would regularly try to hypnotize him so that he could so that they could kill him. And he learned acting techniques from living with these King Cobras. I am baffled. Baffled. <laughs> about the cobras yes yeah. and yeah. like that day that he's sitting there like oh they're in my house they're trying to hypnotize me i mean like <laughs> how much time is him? he spending with the cobras and how much how is that a normal thing to say out loud how do you invite all of us into that my other my thing with this guy is how does he get from like someone getting a hold of him to pitch him a movie to him making a decision to doing negotiations, to actually getting to the set to do a movie. Like, how does he exist in any normal world when he speaks uh, like about Cobras like it's normal? How yeah, is this right. guy living? Not even talking about Cobras like they're normal. Talking about it, having interactions with Cobras that make him a better actor. Well, that, right. And because, then he still gets phone calls. Because right. the question, and, and, and they transcribed it as the conversation. Literally, you could tell this was not an interview that was cleaned up later. This is just no, no. unfiltered cage, which is a very dangerous thing to put into the world, <laughs> particularly the internet. Because the answer to the question, have, inter- have animals ever influenced your acting? His answer, co- the cobras, definitely. Okay, so that was a good warm-up. All right, he's, he's talking about cobras. Now, you guys may remember, uh, years ago, it came out that Nicholas Cage was in uh, quite a bit of a financial pickle and he had over he had to sell a castle to pay a tax bill that's right but who among us has his he his ex, his taste for <laughs> his taste for exotic real estate uh, spread his vast fortune pretty thin and no one really kind of knew the backstory there of why did he buy a giant mansion in Rhode Island why did he buy a castle in uh, Bavaria you know why does he have all the why does he have a big tomb in New Orleans that's waiting for his death right? I visited it. You visited Nicolas Cage's future tomb in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. It is real weird. It is an all-white pyramid with his name on it in the middle of a very creepy, like, 
old New Orleans, like the kind of old New Orleans where you're like, Ugh, there's people doing witch things here. Okay. Like, and he's right in the middle of it. All right. So here here's what this interview slowly revealed, because it, I'm going to read some of the transcription from the interview, because at first it's not clear if he's talking metaphorically here about this real estate thing or if he's actually telling you the insane story that inspired him to buy all of this exotic real estate. Uh, he said that was at a time when I almost went on, you might call it a grail quest. I started following <laughs> mythology and I was finding properties that aligned with that. It was almost like national treasure. At this point, the interviewer is pretty sure he's talking about a metaphorical grail quest, not actually hunting for the Holy Grail. Nope. He really went on a hunt for the Holy Grail. So, uh, he said, uh, the interviewer said, wait, what did you mean when you said you were on a grail quest and finding properties that aligned with that? Well, he said, one thing would lead to another. It's like when you build a library, you read a book and then there's a reference to another book and then you buy that book and then you watch the references. For me, it was all about where was the grail? Uh, he continues. Uh, so he eventually heard rumors that the Freemasons or the Knights Templar eventually brought the grail to Rhode Island. And that's what led him to buying properties in Rhode Island. He was finding clues in properties and buying the properties so he could dismantle them and try to find more clues on the hunt for the Holy Grail. That's why he bought up all those properties, because he was literally looking for the Holy Grail like the film National Treasure with National Treasures. That is what led a, a literal grail quest led to his uh, led to his his real estate ventures. Oh. I love it. I love it <laughs> that not only was he he decided to dedicate years of his life with searching for the Holy Grail, but also that he would buy properties. OK, at one point, I love um, he had a lot of properties in uh, uh, Glassbury in England. He says much lore surrounds really? this Glassbury natural spring. It is said to be the spot where Joseph of Arimathea hid the Holy <gasps> Grail and thus the blood of Christ would uh, uh, describe. So. He said that there's a spring in Glasgow that tastes like blood. And he's like, well, that could be a symbol. This guy is the best. He, he, he's he, the best. He literally says, he literally says this. Um, he's like, well, the, the spring there does taste like blood. Uh, <gasps> I guess that's because there's a lot of iron in the water. But legend has it. It was the place Ugh. where the great chalice, uh, uh, one of blood and sweat came together. He dedicated years of life for searching for the Holy Grail. Nicholas right. Cage is even cooler than we ever imagined. He's sitting there when he's not searching for the Holy Grail. He's he's training cobras in his apartment. I could not be more fascinated and in love with the human being Nicholas Cage than I than I am right now. He's living everyone's dream. There's nothing that stops him from doing what he wants, even though he's ruined his financial life. And he insinuates later. That's why he does all these terrible straight to DVD movies, because he's in quite a bit of hole from this uh, financial hole from this grail quest. He still is doing what we all want to do and injecting a little adventure into his life. Annie, what are your thoughts about Nicholas Cage and his holy grail? quest? I'm having the best time with this entire story. It just is shocking. All right, I'm going to do one more. Uh, this is, like I said, this is a twofer. Okay, so Pew every year um, uh, for the last decade or so has measured how Americans see major institutions in the country and whether they think those institutions have a positive or negative effect 
on society. And this year, there has been a, a very notable shift right at the top of the list of what these whether they think these institutions are positive or negative. So the institutions that they're measuring are church and religious organizations, uh, the national news media, large corporations, labor unions, banks and financial institutions, colleges and universities, and big tech companies. Out of all of those, there's been one that's been standing at the top of that list for, for years now, but was recently toppled. Out of those, which do you think up to this year had been at the top of that list of institutions that have a positive effect on society? So tech education. company. I'm going to guess education. I'm going to guess tech. Cameron, what do you think? To not yeah, I, don't trust. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think you're going to, you're going to, you want us to think one thing and you're going to tell us something very unexpected. Right. Don't play that game. Just what's your answer? I don't know. The number the number That's, one is Nicholas Cage. He has taken <laughs> over. He has somehow jumped on the list. They found out this grail quest. No. The number one for Date the advisory board. For the first time in years is actually church and religious organizations. Fifty-two oh, percent sure. of the population now says they have a positive input impact. The reason that's significant is because for years and years at the top of the list wasn't church and religious organizations, but tech companies. In fact, as recently Word. as 2015, uh, over 70% of the population saw tech companies having a positive impact, but now it's right at 50%, which is below church and religious organizations. Uh, and the reason that the Pew says is because there's been so many privacy breaches. There was fake news there. Uh, you know, the, there's the addiction that, uh, of, you know, digital devices. So people's view of tech companies is falling. Well, actually their view of churches is actually uh, getting better. And, and Jesse, I, I hate to interrupt, but this is, I mean, this seems like a great time to make this announcement and it's wildly inappropriate for many reasons, <laughs> but it's so please, pertinent please. to what we're talking about. I have just signed on to write a new book and it's called I Kissed Facebook Goodbye. Um, <laughs> oh, and I, yeah, pretty inappropriate given everything else. Well, but timely zinger It will be there. in 20 years. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Eubanks and the Kevin Eubanks fan. Kevin Eubanks. That's the ultimate burn of not a good joke. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I have a rip from the headlines one line. You hear about this one? You hear about this one? I call, I'm calling the book I Kiss Facebook Goodbye. Come on, he's you been heard. in the news, people. I don't know if you read that. But, Did you uh, read this uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye? Uh, <laughs> you hear about this guy? You hear about this guy? You know, this guy? Went on Instagram. Turn. Yeah. Uh, Oh. Yeah, so <laughs> oh my gosh, I so wanted go, to do this so much, but we can't. Going down the list, college and colleges actually rank third. Who wants third. a back scratch? Uh, labor unions behind that, banks and financial institutions, followed by large corporations, and the biggest uh, institution that people say has a negative impact on society: the national news media. So there you go. There you go. Really? Church is right at the top of the list now, though. So yeah, that's I've been so watching. Un- un- unlike you, America is not a fan of journalism. Well, <laughs> they're just not reading the right stuff because if Nicholas Cage had found that Holy Grail, this would not be a joke and they'd be skyrocketed to the top of the list. It's he still might find it. It's still out there as far as we know. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Annie? I am. This is my favorite time. Obviously, the fall coming Porn mazes. Let's talk about them. There is a great corn maze in Wisconsin. It is called the Govins Farm. And I don't know how to say the city that's in in Wisconsin, but you can Google it. G-O-V-I-N. And every year they do, when they are designing their uh, corn maze, 
they do like a, a design in it that you can see from above. So there's a picture you're tracing. You're not just going up and down in different rows. So historically, they've done things like a, a design that honored the Boy Scouts, one that honored Garth Brooks. Okay, Garth Brooks's <laughs> face in a corn maze. And they've done and it twice. They've Dude, done. I'd rather hang out with Garth Brooks and the Boy Scouts at this point, though. It's been right? anyhow topical joke. Hey, right. hey, do you hear about or the- Joshua Harris? So, <laughs> you hear about these? You hear about these Boy Scouts? <laughs> and why didn't they call it a maze maze? It feels like they really missed, huh, Kevin? Anyhow, they've keep going. Also, so listen, you guys, listen how they designed. Now it doesn't open till September 21st, so you can't go yet. But what they've done this year is they have taken and written "Your Life Matters" and then gave the phone number for the suicide prevention line. And yeah. then, so it's your life matters. And then the phone number, which is 1-800-273-TALK. And then it says about suicide. So as they're, and they thought like, man, this maze is going to be like, people might not like it. We don't ever do serious stuff. And the response yeah. they've had instead, obviously it's on CNN. It's a national yeah. story is they've had a really positive response of people being like, yeah, that is a good use of this corn <laughs> maze. We're all going to run through this fall is having a reminder of how important your life is. I just thought that was really as, nice. As a tragic postscript, they ended up putting an apostrophe in your, and it was really... It's, it's the really, wrong your. Yeah, That's exactly really right. Your life matters? <laughs> you got to think it through. <laughs> Especially if you get lost in the apostrophe, because there's no way out of it. There's like, no way out. Maze. It's a You're circle. just like, That's I'm just right. stuck in this weird circle with a point at the bottom. It's really... Y'all should Google it and look at it. It's a really beautiful like design. It's fascinating to me. I don't know how... I've never personally designed a corn maze. Call me crazy. But I just did not know how in how much thought went into it and that they do designs every year. I thought that was really cool. I, I think it's awesome. My only thing is what took them so long to do something important and positive for society when they're just... But prior to that, just literally choosing things at random. They're like, uh, well, we did the Boy Scouts. Um... Tribute to Garth Brooks. What do you guys say? You know, yeah. like what took them so long? Because they're just picking like the most random stuff. So one year they're just like, uh, bacon. Let's do a bacon yeah. one now. Like, oh, uh, they should do one next year around bacon. That's yeah. a great idea. All right. What do you have, Eddie? So listen, Jesse and I have over the years and, and all of us to varying degrees, but I know that Jesse and I have spoken very frequently about like if we were invited to play in the Olympics, what could we get ready for pretty quickly and be able to compete in? And we've gone, we've had large conversations where we've agreed on that. We could probably both do the, uh, what's the granite rock that they sweep Curling. and stuff. Curling. Yeah. Curling. Cause you can yeah. just be a regular old person. And I mean, the people you in don't that need athleticism. Yeah, exactly. Right. Jesse yeah. then has gone off the rails a few times and said that there are different, like running and track and field events. <laughs> and we disagree strongly, but I he seems very, fast right but this is like the dream come true and as soon as i read it i thought i mean we this we have to try this so nathan patterson played a little uh you know you're gonna understand the punchline of this pretty quickly but it's just amazing nathan patterson goes to an oakland a's game and they have you know all the little things set up beforehand the different booths and the things you can do before the game and uh yeah, what, yeah, you know, what, like what do you mean? They, they have like stuff. You for, know how like before Magic games, they have like a hoop set up and you can shoot a three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. stuff yeah, like that, sure. stuff like that. A little, yeah. little so, like fan, fan zone. As yeah, yeah, yes, 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 that's yeah, right. Yeah, that was yeah, a better yeah. way to say it. Yeah, fan that's zone. how you know that's I haven't good. been doing this for a while because I'm like, you know, how they have stuff before a game. And by the way, Eddie, it's fans with a Z, fans zone. It's yeah, usually, usually it is at the Falcons. Yeah, for sure. And they hand out a lot of things to that you can wave in your hand and cool down. Yeah, exactly. So Nathan Patterson, 
uh, goes into one of these fan zone uh, areas, <laughs> and it was fans like zones, yeah. And it was like oh, I see to an, disease with the fan. Okay, oh, right. fan zone. I gotcha. I thought okay. Uh, and it was like uh, pitched to. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was the Colorado Rockies. So he's probably one of only four people of the game. So he's there, and they're like, <laughs> you know, you could burned. you could just pitch to like you know a picture of their catcher or something like that. So this guy steps up and throws a 96 mile an hour heater and it's being it's being like tracked by like an actual and they were like, no way. So he throws it again. He is routinely pitching in the mid to high 90s. Now, granted, like a, a major league fastball is in the low 90s. Yeah. So this guy is all of a sudden throwing crazy heat. So then he goes and he goes back again this. a couple weeks later and he's just going to have fun. He goes back a few weeks later and does it again. And people are now taking notice. His brother Instagrams it and says, like, what is going on? This guy has to get signed. So as it turns out, uh, as it turns out, Nathan was a pitcher in high school, but wasn't great. I mean, he had just like had the normal baseball career where you play in high school a little bit. He was like second or third string pitcher. But after high school, he had uh, had some shoulder pain had a shoulder like an, a, a surgery on his arm and decided that he wanted to get back in and was just playing in like a rec league, one of those church rec league things. And all of a sudden realizes like he's got some heat, but he hadn't gotten it measured yet because like who has a pitching gun out there with him. So he goes to this game pitches uh, long story that I'm actually making longer than it really is. This <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this story is longer what, than his baseball. Uh, I, I, I could have literally just into uh, Eddie's inadvertently <laughs> veered into the plot of the film Rookie of the Year, and <laughs> but I don't know which part is true and which part he's actually just started describing the movie. Long story, much much longer. Here's the punchline: He posted on his own Instagram last week him signing a contract to join the Oakland A's. And so the Oakland A's took notice and he is now I mean, he's going to be on their farm team, but he is now going to be on track to be a major league baseball player. And so my question, of course, is this is well, one, there should be a law that there is a booth set up at every single event you go to (laughs) to see if you can participate in that event, because I'm pretty sure event. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any sporting, any, any event. Like wasn't there, any, wasn't there a movie where Queen Latifah I mean, joined the, the New York Knicks? No, <laughs> like, no. You're thinking that was Whoopi Goldberg and she won a halftime contest and got to coach the team for the second half. And she did such a good job yeah. coaching them the second half. She ended up taking over as coach of the New York Knicks. It's, uh, <laughs> it was a Whoopi Goldberg film. I like yeah. it. I, I'm, I think Eddie's on something. Eddie. I mean, were the, the, the Oakland A's, did they just have a video camera? What? I mean, there's got to be, Eddie, what you're saying, there's got to be some truth to that because they saw his speed. It wasn't like yeah. they just saw a viral video. They had to know. Right. I think they brought him out for a tryout. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they signed him because I mean, like if you can pitch that fast without much training, they can train the, they can train the other parts of it. But that's like someone being seven feet tall. Like you don't have to be great at basketball. We're going to figure out the rest of that. You are just tall enough to make a difference. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, he's playing for the Oakland A's farm team right now, which is pretty incredible. I, I think. I'm kind of curious if there's anything I could step into because I couldn't pitch that fast. Well, I, let me say this for context. Yeah. I yeah. was at a minor league baseball game and they have the same thing. They have the, 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 the gun set up and you pay like a dollar and you throw it. And if you guess your speed, you know, before you throw it, you win like a baseball hat or something. Yeah. So I'm like, I threw that thing as hard as I could. And I was like, you know, before the gun showed the speed, I'm like, that was got to be mid upper 80s. I mean, I know no way. Gas right there. 68 miles an hour. It's 61. 
61. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it's actually, in Major League Baseball, it's actually hard to throw that slow. Like, yeah. like, like, they, like a real pitcher, like if they're like, hey, I want you to throw a 61 mile an hour, you know, meatball right down there. They're like, 61? I don't know if I can do that. And he was though underhanded? I, I wish you were really 61. throwing a meatball too. Yeah, yeah. I, can throw, I can throw it underhanded uh, that way, but uh, that was as hard as I could throw. And I was like, okay, 96 is very impressive because my arm still hurts and that was two weeks ago and uh <laughs> 61 guys 61. i think i could do it with i always think i could do it with improv like every time i've seen like second city or something like that i think yeah. if i was just for some reason like they just had to get somebody up there to just do the show with them i always feel like i could do it and which makes me realize i know i don't understand how hard it is what they're doing <laughs> but i always feel like oh yeah i could i could step in and just be on <laughs> snl no problem because you know you step on stage you're like okay name a city and they're like uh chicago name an animal a dog and you're like okay perfect um uh okay i'm a, i'm a dog uh in chicago uh, yeah, um, yeah. windy it's windy city yeah. and you, you just you just pouring sweat right. and it's like it's the michael scott thing sweat. bang you're dead <laughs> bang bang you just pull out a gun and start shooting the crap yeah. <laughs> all right that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next reverend sammy rodriguez joins us are you breaking up Listening to the Runaway Club, the song is Breaking Up. Well, today's show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. One of the things we love about Samaritan Ministries is the stories of lives that have been changed by their healthcare sharing model. And uh, we want to tell you one of those stories here today. Jesse, tell us about it. Josh Little of Bozeman, Montana is 23 years old, but he's been an avid rock climber since he was seven. However, a few years ago, he experienced a horrific accident falling 70 feet off of a cliff. And they had to put me on a backboard and get me about a mile, mile and a half out uh, before they could get to an actual even um, landing site for the helicopter for Mercy Flight. Miraculously, Josh survived, but he broke bones throughout his body and suffered a series of very serious injuries. Thankfully, his family are members of Samaritan Ministries. And while Josh was on the long road to recovery in the hospital, his family called Samaritan, who helped them navigate all of his healthcare needs and even some of their spiritual ones. It it was incredible, actually. Um, I was just talking with mom the other day, actually, and she was saying that like she broke down once or twice, like while I was in the ICU, and they just stopped what they were doing right there and just stopped and prayed with her and made sure she was okay. Um, cause she was handling a lot of the logistics while I was, you know, in the ICU, just healing comparatively to just about any other thing I've ever heard of. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It really is. It's a personalized version of the Samaritan story, which is what I would deem to be one of the better ways to do things in any capacity, whether it be ministry or, um, just sharing in each other's burdens, um, we are the church and we are unified through Christ. They really help you step by step through just about any situation you can think of. You know, in addition to Samaritan members helping one another with medical costs, one of the other cool things is you're plugged into this community of like-minded people. Tell me about some of the letters of support you received while you were recovering. Yeah, I've got a stack of about, I don't know, 
three, four feet tall. That's all just um, letters that came with our shares from Samaritans. Just reading all the different notes and like where different people are from and what they're at and how they, you know, operate. And hey, I had a son fall as well. Um, I know what you're going through. Um, God's got this, you know, like it was just really cool to hear a lot of um, actual heart and good-hearted people from a church, you know, like basically they're fellow believers um, with you in the whole thing. So it's it's really cool to hear and read. And I mean, some even, some even left contacts if I ever wanted to meet up with them at some point. Wow. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a, it's a cool thing to be able to experience as you're going through healings, like sometimes feeling like you're never going to, be fixed again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's just really good for the mental state and, and uh, yeah, for the spirit. If you would like to learn more about how you can be part of this ministry, helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. Well, Reverend Semi Rodriguez is the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, the world's largest Hispanic Christian organization. He's also advised Presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump and frequently consults with Congress advancing immigration and criminal justice reform. Uh, Reverend Rodriguez was one of 40 activists, artists, leaders, and influencers to take part of a series of roundtable conversations in the 100th issue of Relevant, which is out now. Uh, We discuss the future of the church and the issues that will shape it moving forward. Our very own Tyler Huckabee had the conversation with Reverend Rodriguez. Welcome, Tyler, to the show. Hi, Huck. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Uh, tell us about right, the conversation. Yeah, we had a really good uh, talking to to Reverend Rodriguez. Is always a treat. The guy, uh, the, the guy's just a quote machine. Uh, and we were going through. Uh, he was, I believe, he said he was driving through rural Alabama at the time. So it was a little bit of in and out, but we we kept reconnecting and we got some really good. We had a great conversation out of it. the The first thing that I was really interested to know, especially from his perspective, because he has a really unique one. Um, is looking over the past era of the church in America, what does he think is something that the church has really improved at and has gotten much better at? And uh, this was his response. Disaster relief, poverty alleviation. Hmm. So even the manifestations of the one campaign, uh, though secular, but with a strong faith imperative and partnership component, uh, malaria in Africa, uh, bringing an end to malaria in Africa to a great degree. Uh, addressing the AIDS crisis in Africa, but disasters around the world. The church has really emerged in a very powerful, loving, redemptive, compassionate way in, in addressing these issues. I thought that was super interesting because yeah. uh, it, it's something that you do. It's something that the church honestly hasn't done always a great job of kind of telling its own story about how well yeah. it's done with trying to address uh, foreign aid and things that uh, some of the issues taking place overseas. But I do think he's correct that the church has been very involved in that. And obviously there's been some missteps here and there, but there's a lot of really big, really cool success stories as well. Yeah. I mean, I think when we were putting together these roundtables, one thing it was fun to look back on some of the early issues of like, what are you talking about there? The um, convergence of faith organizations and non-faith related groups that could come together to find a common ground. 
you know, something like the one campaign where you mm-hmm. would have religious leaders join side, join alongside of people like George Clooney or Chris Martin or, yeah. you know, any of these notable people that were championing a cause. That is a real success story of the church. Obviously, there's still ways that can be improved, but I think that is something like you were saying, Tyler. It's it's easy to forget, but it, it's a really important thing that the church has done a good job with over the last ten years. And statistically, we do see that too. There were studies released this year that said uh, disaster relief is often at its best when it's not just the church or not just government agencies, but the two working together, the church right. coming alongside pre-existing yeah. uh, federal aid, state aid, this work already in place overseas to help and to to boost them and to encourage them and pray right. for them too. That has had some of the largest impacts both here and abroad. Uh, the flip side of this question, of course, that you have to ask too is, is over the past era, what is something that the church has not done a a very good job at? And he said two things. The first thing he brought up was he felt like, and this is something that is very close to his heart. He talks about a lot immigration issues here in the States. He feels like the church has sort of dropped the ball and has not taken a, a strong leadership uh, role in the immigration conversation. But then mm-hmm. he had a, a sort of a part two that was a, that's definitely related to that, but is maybe a little more broad, uh, a little more theological, a little more systemic that I thought was really interesting. And one, one more item would be the church lacking a meta narrative of the Imago Day, the image of God in every single human being in and out of the world. So it's, it, we become entrenched in in political rhetoric rather than prophetic truth and loving in, 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 uh, mm. actions. So you name the issue, we should have led the way with. Every single human being is created in the image of God, in and out of the world. Therefore, we should treat each other with mutual respect and love. And we have it. We come, we approach things through a political spectrum rather than a prophetic loving imperative. Yeah. 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 And the the implications of that, that, you know, every person is created in the image of God, can inform everything from our ideas about abortion to our ideas about immigration, you know, like really crossing the political spectrum Or even images like climate change, because you look at the people who are most affected are some of the poorest on earth, and those people are made in the image of God, and we are called to protect them, you know? There was a, I was reading a a writer, a Catholic writer who writes for the Washington Post and Elizabeth Brunig, who said that she believes in this time, the belief that every single person, human being is made in the image of God and worthy of love and respect is the single most radical teaching that the church has to offer the world today, Mm -hmm. because it is not believed. Because if you take that seriously, if you take that idea seriously, that theology seriously, it transforms everything. Uh, and you start pulling at that thread and pretty soon your entire worldview and, and your ideas about policy get completely turned upside down. So I, I think he is right there. And the church is uniquely equipped to champion that conversation. But as, as Reverend Rodriguez said here, uh, has not always done a great job of doing that. Although he did note that he believes that is getting better in some corners of the church in America. The the last that we asked uh, a few people this, but... Uh, uh, of everybody that I think that I talked to, at least for issue 100, uh, Reverend Rodriguez had the most concrete and, and maybe radical uh, answer here. Uh, we, we asked in the light of things that are happening at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, obviously the Catholic Church over the past decade, uh, revelations of, of abuse of power, of abuse of money, abuse of sex. How can the church do a better job of sort of watching out for itself and being accountable in times of scandal? Uh, I was surprised at how uh, concrete his policy positions were. Here's what he said. 
whistleblower clauses. It incorporate everything that that was recommended by the Grassley Commission, Senator Grassley. Look at the 990 and with the recommendation template of the 990s that, that, that emerged out of that great Grassley Commission when, when the Grassley Commission was looking for providing oversight to a number of very prominent ministries uh, and, and investigating actually would be the appropriate term. But out of that commission came a very powerful, what I call a very, very beautiful template, which includes whistleblower clauses, best practices, you name it. I mean, we really need to operate better than Fortune 500 companies. Churches should operate with, uh, with unbridled mm. transparency mm. and authenticity. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea of, of looking at how companies are run and going like, why aren't we better than that? Yeah. Why aren't we, why aren't churches run in a way and mm-hmm. that, that exceeds the, not necessarily the financial success, but exceeds the uh, outward facing look of this. I love that idea. I was just going to say too, that idea of whistleblower clauses of like, no, you have protection here. If you are holding people in power accountable for misdeeds, you know, because too often the response of the church is the opposite. No, no, no. Don't broadcast this. Let's handle it as a let's quote unquote, handle it as a family. Let's take care of family business. This is no, there needs to be accountability here. Like, uh, yeah, like in in the 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 shadow of hiding things, things get worse, not better. You know, preach that. You referenced uh, Senator Grassley, Senator, that's Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, uh, who in 2015 uh, put together a bipartisan group of senators who launched this whistleblower protection caucus um, that was for both people in the federal sector and the private sector uh, to not only protect them, uh, protect whistleblowers, but also to encourage more transparency among organizations. Didn't specifically list churches there, but it is a great template for churches to use. Some of the ideas that were pitched and, and that has continued to be something that I know is really important to Reverend Rodriguez. And I hope that more churches can be open to the idea of bringing in outside uh, accountability uh, just realizing that this experiment that we've done in America with churches over the past few years of trying to take handle things in house hasn't worked super well. So I totally agree with his ideas here. I think it's really really strong. All right. Well, to read more uh, of that conversation as well as all the other leaders and influencers that we talked to, check out the hundredth issue of Relevant. It's out now. You can view it at relevantmagazine.com. You can pick it up at newsstands nationwide. And if you're a really really good person. You can subscribe to the magazine. Yes. <laughs> Only the best. Only the best. Many are called, but few are chosen. <laughs> Only the best. <laughs> you're either deal. the type who blows money on a Bavarian castle, or you're the type that helps humanity find the Holy Grail. Who are you? And subscribe now. If you're a really big fan of journalism, you'll like it. You can get you guys, it. This kind of feels like my dream come true that everybody's on the show together. Yes, yeah, Chandler, I'm just having a really good time right now. Everybody, we're thinking, we're thinking. If you prop, we know you're out All there. All my bros are here. It, it is funny though, Annie, that you say that because I'm like, obviously, I've gone quiet because I'm just listening because I'm interested because I love this part of the show. But like, yeah. you're like more voices, more people, and I'm like, oh boy, can we just like take it down a little bit? <laughs> I literally, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Skype thing right now. It looks like the stinking Brady Bunch intro, yeah. and I'm going, yeah, it really does. There's many, a lot of us. Up there is a child <laughs> that looks like cousin Oliver that just appeared. I don't know who this boy is. <laughs> <laughs> so why are you it's here, camera. son? Why are you here? How'd you get on this line? Who's this precocious little boy that's here from the 1970s that just showed up? 
I know I just brought in for the Rodriguez interview, but have we already have, have we done been able to do the the Eddie, the Eddie Big Cat Coffold's Cats Redux? We did. Yeah, yes, yeah, we did. Oh, we don't need to revisit. I said some things that were pretty controversial. Let's just say it's not what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait. I'm going to have pins and needles till this it's comes off. out. Pins it's and off. needles. I'll get off so you can wrap up and Chandler can get in the editing booth and then I want to hear Eddie's take. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, guys. Hurry. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. to think the church is a haven for the hurting, but what happens when it's not? The passion behind the Me Too and Church Too movements show no signs of relenting. As more stories of abuse and secrecy within the church unfold, it's clear that this is not yesterday's problem or a Hollywood problem. This is our problem, and survivors are speaking up. Author and advocate Mary DeMuth is using her voice to dare the church to listen. DeMuth's new book, We Too, unpacks the church's historical response to sexual violence and provides a healthy framework for a new way forward. We too urges the church to become what it should be, a place of security instead of shame. We all know someone affected by sexual abuse. It's time to listen, act, and help find the road to healing. Visit wetoobook.com for information and resources. That's wetoobook.com. Same too, Kuko. Song is feelings. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week we got talking about stress and things we do to de-stress and how it's important throughout the day to take those moments to breathe, to calm ourselves, to recenter ourselves in the midst of the you know kind of whirlwind of our modern lives. Um, we got talk- some some of us uh, do intentional mindfulness things. Some of us play Candy Crush. We got talking about the whole gamut. And yeah, our- we should get Eddie's answer too because he wasn't here. And I don't know that I gave an answer to that maybe. What do, okay, what do you do? Because our question last week was we asked you guys what you do to de-stress throughout the day. Um, oh, Annie, man. what do you do? Yeah, well, Annie, I, I'll answer. F- I know what Annie does, right? Annie vapes like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> it's... <laughs> She's got liters of vape juice just in storage for hard days. Yeah, she made like a custom one that you can't even believe it. It is disgusting. It is. It says vaping ain't cute. It's uh, (laughs) date date flavored. It's so glittery. It's so glittery. It's date flavored. But it's like a salty date. Date vape. Date flavored. Good job. Uh, Date vape. Annie, if someone asks you out on a vape date, would you go? Would you just hang out? You vape? get to know each other a little you no. know <laughs> really let's go, on, let's go on a vape date and i think that's that's that'd be a great reality show vape date and the results are inconclusive that it's definitely vaping. going to kill you yeah oh, it's, so, it's, it's, <laughs> not only that it's killing the environment i mean yeah, yeah so anyway. until we know better i'm sure it's fine eddie what do you do all right both of you real talk what do you guys do to de-stress real talk yeah i mean go outside hike get out in nature yeah. if i can just you, get but out you there can't, but you can't do that like throughout the day 
I I do a crossword puzzle. Okay. Yeah. I actually yeah. do because I work remotely. And so every time I have a phone call, there is a trail that goes through the woods right by my house. And so I actually do do that. But yeah, back in the day, no, I did not get to do that. Uh, yeah, I just need to have introvert time. So pretty much if I can get a book or be quiet somewhere, that's like a good instant fix. If things are getting crazy. I have a terrarium with two cobras. And when I get really stressed out, I just go and I, <laughs> oh, just, I just poke them with a stick for a few minutes. They're just telling you what to do at that point. And then you, you're yeah. a better actor afterwards and I just every feel, time. I feel my cares and anxieties just melt away. Hey, take this, boys! Ah, ha, ha! And just poking some cobras. And just, oh, I feel so good after. It was funny, like we we asked this question last week because of the topics of that episode. But since then, a friend uh, told me about this Netflix documentary called Heal, and <gasps> I was yeah. watching it, and it was talking about how, and it's it, I would highly recommend it if you're interested in well being at all. Uh, it's called Heal. It's on Netflix. Um, but it talked about, and it was very data driven, which was good for me because like the holistic kind of Eastern or alternative medicine stuff can kind of get into just like hoogie bougie stuff and whatever. This is very data driven, very science driven. Talked about how God designed our bodies and the chemical uh, changes that stress causes and, and how like throughout the day, like the normal stress of everyday life, how it has altered our chemical reaction or chemical reality in our bodies. If you look at like the prevalence of cancers, migraines, rheumatoid arthritis in our current society, like it wasn't like that a generation ago, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what's going on now? And it talked about the effect of stress on our bodies and how chemistry of our blood changing is leading to diseases and proclivity of diseases that hasn't been there in the past. And it was fascinating. And it talked about the, watch this. the biological yeah. importance of de-stressing and, 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 how like the placebo effect, you know, like is a real thing, like in science, like, you know, they may do a, a medical study with a hundred people taking a, a, a drug um, and there may be a positive effect on 75 of them, but then they will do a placebo group of a hundred people and they would have a positive effect of 40, 50, 60, 80 people in the placebo group would have a positive effect and it's just placebo. So it talked about that, how our, the hopefulness of our minds or the thought that I am getting better, our body gets better. And how stress also, uh, like if placebo has a positive effect on us, that negative stress, nocebo, has an equal and opposite effect on our bodies and how stress is killing us. And, uh, and, and so the, the need for breathing exercises or, 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 or meditation and prayer throughout the day or playing Candy Crush or whatever it is that you can do to reset your your mindset throughout the day is imperative to our holistic well-being and our health. It's really interesting. I would highly recommend watching it. That is that yeah. is super interesting because yeah. it because we've you know, it's like the the classic opening to the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy, the 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 satire from the late 80s where you know, it talks about all of these things that we've that humanity has made to make their lives more simple, right? We get we we make cars so that it's easier to get from point A to point B. You know, uh, you know, kitchens make it easier to cook food, but in reality, that makes the need for mechanics. And then there's traffic, and then all these things that we've done to make our lives more simple and easy have actually made them much more difficult and much more stressful and much more complicated than we were designed to be. You know, but we've a lot of us have lost connection with you know uh, agrarian principles like seasons and and what it takes to 
you know, like just all the principles of things like farming, like our lives were meant to be simple and rooted in these kind of divine principles. But like you're saying, Cameron, we've overcomplicated them over the course of really a few generations where stress and anxiety is this big factor because we have so we fill our life with so much stuff that it wasn't really designed to deal with. Well, and talked about too, like how do we start our day? So many of us, your alarm goes off, immediately you pick up your phone, you scroll Twitter, and then all the news and the anger and the contention, like that's the first thing. And what happens? A chemical releases in our brain that starts us on a negative chemical path that day. Right. I mean, like if we were like mindful to block that out, start our day with a positive, with prayer or with, you know, water and just breathing like and then we can have a positive like i think about exercise positive endorphins it changes your body chemistry and it's crazy about the body chemistry thing i mean that you watch it there's so many scientific things about how how the chemistry of our body affects our cellular makeup physically affecting our cellular makeup and our cells can go turn from muscle into fat and different things because of stress in our body and um and it, it's not voodoo science. It's like actual science. You should yeah. check it out. All right. So you guys hit us up. A few of you. I mean, y'all didn't take it seriously. Let's just be honest. Y'all didn't take it seriously. There's a few of you. Uh, uh, Taylor said my go-to uh, chill app is Angry Birds. So there you go. <laughs> People still play Angry Birds. I didn't know. Apparently. I, there's something there's something very pleasing about the the physics of the slingshot in Angry Birds. Oh, yeah. You know, like there's something that's just like, I kind of really like this. I know it's a dumb game, but I really, really like flinging <laughs> that bird, you know, flicking it in the air and watching them do whatever they do. I, I don't blame you, Taylor. She's played 400 games since February. Uh, so <laughs> since February, wow. Been pretty stressed out, evidently. Uh, Eric couldn't help but do an old, old podcast reference, which I'm just going to say, even though he didn't take it seriously either. He said, I de stressed by buying goggles, just a few thousand units throughout the day, every day. And man, I find that I'm able to be fully present in my day. It's really great. Bonus. I'm investing in the future. An, old, an OG pod reference there, Eric. But uh, thanks for taking a, a serious question, serious dude. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler says uh, he works at a bridge design firm and during stressful submission weeks, they all gather around a computer at lunch and watch fail videos. He said there's oh, just something uplifting about watching someone inadvertently belly flop from 30 feet. Can I just say this, yeah. though? The best kind of fail videos, if you're if you're in a down mood and just need to feel better, are gym fail videos. They are yeah. hilarious. <laughs> just how many people will confidently walk into a gym and have no idea how to use the equipment, but just fake it and end up getting like tied between cables and big steel plates. There are hours and hours on montages, and I laugh every time I watch a, a gym fail. Ironically, ironically, though, to Tyler's point, some of the best fail videos are actually bridges falling. Like, there are plenty of them. And so... That's what I thought he was saying when he was like, I work at a bridge design that's firm awful. and we watch fail right. videos. I'm like, that's tragic. And he was like, oh no, it's just belly flops. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. Like, okay. Very well. There's nothing makes me feel better than large scale engineering disasters. It just makes the cares of the day <laughs> melt away. Melt away. You know what I was thinking, Cameron, about de-stressing? And this, this probably says something really terrible about me as a human. But I, sometimes I go on bad tattoo websites 
and oh, yeah. just look at people's that's bad tattoos. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. There, uh, Chandler actually sent me a great Instagram uh, a feed that's just bad tattoos. Um, but the the thing about it is, like, you always feel like you know my life decisions aren't that bad. <laughs> like, right, like right, right. you know, I'm doing pretty good. When Cameron and I were at Lollapalooza, there was a guy who was picked out oh. of an audience and got a face tattoo on stage Golly. during a concert from no. for like, while, like yeah, a metal it band. Was, was uh, it was a hardcore band called Ghost Main. And they were like up there doing their version of Tool meets Rage Against the Machine, you know, 2019 version. Yeah. Right. And and to show how hardcore they were, of course, they're all tatted up crazy. They they grab a kid out of the crowd, like Jesse said, who wants to post out to? And he goes up there and, and literally during the set, he's back there laying down, getting this huge tattoo on his face. That says "Kill the Machine." Okay, kill the machine, <laughs> oh, and, no. and he's like wow. checking it late in the late in the set. He's like, "Let's check in on this dude. What's your name, buddy? Tyler." Oh, <laughs> and How little, old are you? I'm little, twelve. The little Tyler didn't have any tattoos, and now he has a oh, huge no. "Kill the Machine" on his face. On no, his face because his mom face. and dad dropped him off at Lollapalooza, and oh, mom's gonna cry no. that night. That's awful. I, I it was or wow. but but that's the thing. Whenever I see something like that, a really bad tattoo, I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, my problems aren't that bad. <laughs> I'll be just <laughs> fine. Like, right? Yeah, this deadline's stressing me out. I'm not gonna have kill the machine on my face at the end of the day. So <laughs> I think we're doing just we're doing just fine. I, yeah. You know, I I did feel good too, Karen, because I saw a couple things. A couple people said that they've had a similar experience to me. That they're getting approached by people about trying to join multi-level marketing business. Like people just take one look at me and know I'm a guy they need to go into business. I with. listened to that episode on from Friday where you were talking about how you keep getting approached. Yeah. And I think Cameron is a hundred percent right, Jesse, that the problem is you walk into a place waiting to talk to someone. <laughs> you want and to people chat. know that. You're like an 85-year-old man with time yes, to kill. Yes. You're looking to right. socialize at the Target Cafe. You know, like, I mean, people are going to, oh, they're going to come up and chit chat. Friendly? Oh, but you're this 85 year old weirdo harassing people. Oh, you mean someone who, hey, how's it going today? You doing okay? Oh, what a, get out of here, psycho. (laughs) Oh, man. Annie, you've never been approached. You just do what the rest of us do and you just walk in like and have your normal face on, not a, Hey, who wants to hang out face? You live your life with a hey, who wants to hang out face? You just walk in and it's just like a puppy in a, like, on a, you know, like in a pound, just like, hey, 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 that's why yeah. people think you have that's why people think you have a weak enough constitution to buy into their multi-level marketing thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. They're like that we've got a puppy at four o'clock. We got a puppy at four o'clock. Yeah, I know it's a flawed business model. I did not yeah. invest in the business. I invested in the person yeah. I met five minutes ago <laughs> yeah. on the that's Chip why and Joe just, home. It's no big deal. We're just gonna drink sir. some wine on Friday, have oh, some friends over, gosh. and I'm just like super excited about this product. But it's like no pressure, but I would love to have you there. Listen, that's I, why. I because you may, like, or may oh, not oh, yeah. 
yeah, I sure. may or oh, may yeah, not sure. be in the legging business right now and yeah, the oil yeah, business, yeah. and I'm selling a lot of makeup. Uh, so I actually do try to have a friendly face. I do try to have a friendly, friendly face, but sometimes I have headphones in. And just last week when I was at Kroger, someone tweeted me afterwards and said, you looked like you were real serious. So I didn't walk up and talk to you. And I felt so bad. <laughs> you know you just reply, mission hi. accomplished. I did no, not I want people to say hi at Kroger. <laughs> I just was listening to a podcast and trying to edit it and, also get my grocery you know i got i got a i got a flyer on my door the other day and a new person had moved onto the cul-de-sac and there there was a a get to know the neighbors little pool party happening and i looked at it and i was like i know three people who this is this would be their nightmare and this is delightful i'm gonna go to the pool party (laughs) i will sign up for the mac and cheese one of your cousins or something right no this is just a new neighbor and this is what neighbors do we 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 have to live in close proximity we might as well know each other i mean we have to take our shirts off and get in a pool together yeah 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 right and that's my favorite part though about the last live thing we did was like afterwards everybody just goes over to annie and then the three of us just get to like (laughs) oh wow i think it's i think part i think partly a lot of people didn't want to uh, talk to me because i did have my shirt off and i was making very intense eye contact with people as they walked by (laughs) and this is my friendly Uh, way I for sure that was the bigger problem and well people did tweet us this week jess said maybe it's a virginia thing jesse because i get approached all the time by mlm girls in target i could be wearing a potato sack and i think they'd still compliment me so i guess the complimenting thing is the icebreaker huh yeah Uh, Tyler said, I had the same MLM people approach me at Bed Bath & Beyond. I went there three times in eight years and was approached by two different <laughs> two different times, roughly five years apart by what appeared to be the same person. He was sharking around the fan aisle. <laughs> three times in eight years. That means they've wasted a lot of Bed Bath & Beyond 20% off coupons if he's only been three times in eight years. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And I like the strategy there because like, if you're in Bed Bath & Beyond, there's a lot of junk aisles like the has seen. I feel like half the stores like ha- as seen on TV, like weird little bath mats and stuff. The fan aisle says, listen, it, the only way you're buying a fan is if you're a homeowner. If you're renting, you're probably not buying like a ceiling fan. That's something the landlord will put in. There's a little psychology to it that they're going after. Okay, this person probably has a home, you know, probably could, you know, use a little side business here. Got to hang on the ceiling fan aisle. I, I'm a pretty smart MLM person there. I mean, if they're still, if they're still wandering around Bed Bath and Beyond, trying to build their upline five years later. I don't know how <laughs> successful they've been, but uh, I like the idea of the fan aisle. Maybe it's the oscillating fan aisle because I don't know if that, that those are pretty cheap, so I don't know about the strategies. So, so <laughs> it, it, never, it never ceases to amaze me, Jesse, what you have five minutes worth of thoughts on already. Uh-huh. When we bring right. it, up. <laughs> it is already there. We don't yeah. even have to fish oh, for it. Oh, that already existed somewhere. It was just waiting. And Who's there thought it is. about it? Yeah. He's because about because sure. most of the time, if you're buying an oscillating fan, right, right. It, you know, the living situation probably isn't great. Uh, you know, listen, I'm not opposed to oscillating fans, but it's hot. The AC ain't working. And, uh, you know, we got to just get a quick fan to cool down. I don't know about this person's strategy. So, All yeah. right. Uh, that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Earlier in the show, we told the the story. Eddie brought the news about the the fan at an Oakland A's game who and who who was participating in the fan zone, yeah. throwing throwing some uh, baseballs and ended up getting signed by the Oakland A's. Um, he got discovered per se. Uh, we want to know what is a, a, a sport or activity or event that you think if they had a fan zone, 
you could participate and get discovered and be as good as the professionals or become a professional uh, in the thing. Can I give an example? I've always yes. thought that like if I went to like an orchestra, like a symphony, yeah. and I was walking in, and <laughs> one guy's like, one guy's like man, I'm really motion sick. I, I can't go on tonight. Uh, I, I, you know, but I can't leave an empty chair. Will you go and sit in the chair? You don't actually have to play the the instrument, but you got to fake it, and no one can know. I could easily go up there and fake violin for the whole time. I'm pretty <laughs> sure even if I'm playing actual notes, I'll get drowned out by everyone. So I think I could go sit in a symphony, and no one would know. It's just some rando sitting in. I yeah, honestly think just, I could do that's it. That's fake. I, I was thinking you were going to go with you could play the cymbals. Like, you could be the cymbal guy. A oh, professional I think you could player. conduct it. Any, any, oh, I could conduct or any percussion, really. Like the, you know, the... The doom, 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 like that big drum that the guy only hits like right? he's up there the whole time and he hits it like four <laughs> times the entire symphony. Yeah, doom, but doom. if he does it wrong, that's a real problem. So that's a high that's a high stress spot. People are going to forget it in like three seconds once they start doing flight of the bumblebees or whatever. Like I'm going nice. to I'm going to go back to the example <laughs> y'all gave. I think I think if we were up in Canada and I watched a few curling matches, I could I could jump in. You could I possibly. Could yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I could do a five minute stand up set or a hop what? in with a with an improv team. Really? Well, they oh, you know wow. every city in America has open mic nights. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of like things you got to overcome and like fear to do that. Like I feel like if I was just magically like get up, you're just like go and the mic's on, you got to go. I feel like I could do five minutes. Wow, Annie, what what uh, what would you do? Just to be clear, Cameron, I may be wrong, but that's the <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the, you're willing to give it a shot. Huh. Yeah, that's a thing I feel. I- I could sub in for Jimmy Fallon. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. that. Little fan zone before the recording. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy's sick. Can you take take the monologue? We already have the cue cards. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily the monologue as much as the interviews, but I think I could do the monologue. I wouldn't enjoy it as much, but I think I could. Yeah. You could do a read through on the cue cards and you're off and running. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you could do that. So you guys hear For about sure. uh, corn mazes. You know, they, you know, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, it was Garth Brooks. What were they thinking? Am I right? Uh, who's on the show tonight? Oh boy, it's really hot up here. Is it always hot up here? Is it always? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to let Eddie do that part. Eddie's going to do the five minutes of stand up. I'm just yeah. going to be friends with a celebrity and introduce her. Can someone, can someone run to Bed Bath Beyond? Get an isolating fan? Bed Bath Beyond. They got a ton of them. Oh one. boy. Uh, they're saying stretch. They're saying I have 10 more minutes. Uh, so anyhow. <laughs> so, uh, Let's do I'm some gonna, crowd work. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see if I can name all the presidents. Washington, <laughs> Adams, Madison, Monroe. Here's where it gets tricky. Because then we go right to Barack Obama. You know the three of those. Hamilton. <laughs> Wait, was Reagan or Eisenhower? Did anyone get that fan yet? Did anyone get back from Bed Bath Beyond? It is smoking up here. Oh man, what can oh, we do boy. now? Who, who knew the roots uh, left between uh, between their sets? Really wish they were here right now. <laughs> I really wish I would throw to them right now. Right now, you got a song to play us, Roots? No? Okay. All right. So a professional gig that you think you could do if there was a fan zone discovery opportunity yeah. before it? Yeah. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and let us know yours, or you can post on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to Reverend Sammy Rodriguez for joining us. You yeah. can read more of that conversation in the 100th issue of Relevant. It's out now. Check it out, relevantmagazine.com. And if you're a really good person, you can subscribe. Also, thank you to Samaritan Ministries for making the episode possible. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of this ministry, helping each other with health care, visit samaritanministries.org relevant. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. 
It's fun having the family back together. It's awesome. It's so nice. Welcome back, yeah. Eddie. I'm so happy. Thank you. Sorry, I'll be out next week. <laughs> 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 but it was fun this week. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I know we'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Just remember, dates are fruit. We often get forgotten. Relevant Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Christy Shriver, and we discuss books that have changed the world and have changed us. And I'm Gary Shriver, and we are the How to Love Lit Podcast. Every week, we cover a piece of classical literature. We set up the historical, psychological, and literary context, making these challenging works actually fun. The How to Love Lit Podcast is available everywhere, and you can also visit us at howtolovelitpodcast.com. You'll love it.